0: shall
1: put a book, a marker or something in Matthew 13 also, because we're going to be going back there quite a bit, because that's a parallel passage concerning uh, this parable that the Lord gave, but Luke 8, or Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 21, I'm going to read, just follow along as I read, it says, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God, those by the way, side are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, for while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And they which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares, and riches, and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit. With patience, no man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest; neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Then came to him his mother and his brethren could not come at him for the press. It was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it." The title of the message this morning is, Hear the Word and Keep It. Hear the Word and Keep It. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege that we have to open your precious Word. And I pray, Father, that as we look into the word of God this morning, that we'd give attention to your word this day. That we'd hear with our hearts, not just with the head. So help us to examine our hearts before you. Speak to us. Save those that may be lost. and Glorify yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A parable according to Way of Life Encyclopedia of the Bible and Christianity, is a story told to illustrate a truth. Parable means to lay something alongside another, referring to a comparison or a similitude, in which one thing is compared to another, especially spiritual things with natural, by which means those spiritual things are better understood and make a deeper impression on an honest and attentive mind. Unquote. And Jesus taught in parables to hide truth from those who would not believe in him. I've heard it said that Jesus taught in parables so people wouldn't understand. No, he didn't. He taught in parables so that they that refused to hear would not understand. Look again, if you will, uh, in... uh, um, Verse, verse eight, 9, or verse 10. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. And then in Matthew chapter 13, in verses 10 and 11, again he says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he was speaking to particularly the Pharisees, as he talks about them, And he said, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you, that is, the disciples, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And he explains why it's not given. Uh, Verse 12 says, For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them, the, the, the Pharisees, in parables because they seeing, see not, and hearing, hear not, neither do they understand. And, and verse 15 says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand. So Jesus taught in parables so that the Pharisees would not understand. You know, a parable has been called an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and that is true. There's usually one basic truth taught in a parable, and it's dangerous to attempt to make particular application of all the circumstances and terms which it comprehends, one commentator said. You know, we must not try and spiritualize details from a parable. (laughs) One commentator said, Augustine in the parable of the Good Samaritans, saw the wounded man as Adam, the thieves as Satan and his devils, the beating of the man as the persuasion to sin, the binding of wounds, the restraining of sin, the inn as the church, and the innkeeper as the apostle Paul. (laughs) Now that's spiritualizing a lot of scripture, which Augustine did. He was also the one that called Mary the mother of God. You know, parables illustrate doctrine. They do not formulate it. They don't formulate it. They illustrate. And that's really what they are. They're illustrations. So it's very dangerous to take doctrine from, from parables. So in this parable that Jesus gave, and this, of course, the, the seed is the word of God. Verse 11 tells us, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And as the word of God is the seed, and Christ came as the word, or the living word. You know, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Uh, and of course, verse 14 tells us, the word was made flesh. So he is the word. He's the living word. We have the written word. This, this word, written word speaks of Christ. Tells us of him. So he is the word. The seed is the word. First Peter one twenty three, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is the living word. And, there, of course, the written word testifies of him who is the living word. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees in John 5.39, Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Of course, Paul, in his ministry, in in the last verse of the book of Acts, Acts 28, 31, says that he was preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. So the seed is the word. Uh, But I want to notice several things from this parable. First of all, I have three things, and I have some sub-points. That new life requires prepared soil. Now, what we have here in this parable is four kinds of soil. And the soil represents people. People. So, it's four states of hearts and their reaction to the seed, the word of God. First of all, you have the wayside hearer, or the closed mind. If you notice verse verse 12, it says, Those by the wayside are they that hear." So they hear it with the ear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. This is the, those with a closed mind. They hear, but they give no heed. The seed is only on the surface. It's like the seed that maybe was, is thrown on a, on a path or a roadway, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it cannot penetrate the surface. It's trodden down. It doesn't take hold, because the heart of this person is like a highway. It's hard. And you know, many times, people in this condition are religious. They're religious. Very religious. You know, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christian, but bear no resemblance of what a Christian in the Bible is. Instead, their lives and their practices conform to the world. They have a form of godliness and deny the power. They may go to a church when it's convenient, sing in choirs, Take communion at Christmas and Easter. Uh, but they lack witness and assurance of the Spirit. It's all ritual. But they're religious. The Pharisees were of this group. They were very religious, very devout, fasted twice a week, prided themselves in, in their long prayers and all these things. But, but they were, Jesus called them white sepulchers. Matthew 23, 15, he says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, you compass land and sea and make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold the more the child of hell than yourselves. You see, they they convert people to their kind of thinking or their kind of belief, and they make it almost impossible for that person then to truly be born again. Because they have a form, they have religion. They have a form of Christianity. There are worlds full of people like that. But The second the second group we see here is those of the stony ground. And notice in verse 13, it says, They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe in time of temptation fall away. This is those of the, the emotional mind. They're easily excited and enthusiastic. Uh but their hold of the gospel is only superficial. It's only on the surface. The root of the matter is not in them. There's no depth of faith. No surrender. There's a lack of surrender and the character of God are lacking. And so when temptations or persecution or the trials of life, they, they forsake the Lord. They turn away. Matthew 13:21 tells us that they when they are they are offended. By and by they are offended. The word offended there means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. To be offended in one, I to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. You see, these people, you know, they, they, when they first hear the word of God, he says they, they hear it with joy. They're all caught up with it. This sounds so good. I can have all my problems taken care of. I just turn my life over to the Lord. And, well, God never promised that. He did promise he'd never leave us nor forsake us. But he didn't promise all our problems would be over. And they just think it's all great. It sounds all wonderful, but then trials come. The idea of a crucified life is too great a cost, too high a price to pay. You see, the idea of being free from sin, the problems life—that's all sounded so good, but the reality of a crucified life is not in their game plan. And I'm out. I give you names. I'm out. One commentator said this, violent emotion is a sign of shallowness, and it never lasts. But the tender heart disposes to moral thoughtfulness, and where that is, the feeling is permanent. So these are the emotional. It all sounded so good and wonderful. But the crucified life, well... Nah, that's not for me. Surrender, submission to the Lord, nah. The third group is the thorny ground, or might call the wandering mind, or those that are preoccupied. Verse 14 says, And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit. To perfection these are these have a, a, a triad you might say of obstacles in their life that keep them from true salvation the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches the pleasures of life these supersede the word of the Lord you know the rich young ruler came running to Jesus he was in earnest what do, must I do to be saved Jesus said, Thou knowest the commandments? He said, Oh, I've kept them all since my youth up. He said, One thing thou lackest. Go sell what thou hast, and come follow me, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. All of a sudden he didn't keep all the commandments. You see, he he was deceived with the deceitfulness of riches. And the status he had in life. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, these are occupied with the temporal over the spiritual. Go to Luke chapter 14 for just a minute. Luke 14 and verse 16. This is another parable he gave, but I think it illustrates this point. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one accord, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have my have me excused. There's the cares of the world. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have my, me excused. There's the riches. And others said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. There's the pleasures of life. I mean, just because you uh, bought a piece of ground, and you have just bought five, uh, five oxen, and you got married, you can't go to supper. You see, the things of the world supersede the things of God. You know, parents, we need to impress upon our children by our example that spiritual, obeying God is more important than the things of this world that are only temporary. You know, Hearing the word of God is important. Tithing is important. Faith, promise, giving is important. Pleasing the Lord in daily life is important. It's more important than the things of this world. Being honest. It's more important. Than gain. And so the thorny grind. They're preoccupied. Then you have the fourth. And that's the good grind. You know it's a little discouraging. Only 25% in this parable really receive the word. If you notice in verse um, 15. He says but that on good grind are they. Which in an honest and good heart. Having heard the word. Now, he never used that phrase before. It says, these having heard the word. Heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. So they have heard the word. You know, in chapter 6 and verse uh, verse 47, Jesus describes what it means to hear the word, where he says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and with them. I will show him, show you to whom he is like. And he talks about the man who built his house upon a rock. So a person that, hears or hears is actually somebody who does what he says. That's the idea. You know, James one twenty two says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. These have an honest and good heart. They are genuine. They are upright. You being so I remember one old preacher say one time, he said, You know, being honest is just humility. It's humility. You know, why why did the Pharisees not receive the Lord? What was their problem? Right? And they were being dishonest with themselves. They were deceived by their own, by their own selves. Uh, and that is the problem with most people. They are not willing to be honest with themselves and see themselves as God sees them. Sinners, wicked and vile and condemned before a holy and righteous God and deserving of his judgment. That's what we all were. That's what we all still are. But God, in His mercy, gives salvation. So that is a problem with most people. And so He says, These are they that heard the word, they keep it. The word keep here means they hold or they take possession of. They take possession of. And there is fruit with patience. And of course patience speaks of perseverance and endurance. So when the trials and the troubles and the cares of this life and all these come upon us, they don't forsake the Lord. In fact Matthew 10 tells us in verse 22 he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So this is those that have heard the word and they take possession of it. So you see here, uh, first of all, new life requires prepared soil. Secondly, to those who receive the word, the, the good ground, they bear fruit. Now, three things here. Three things. First of all, they let their light or their life, uh, the life of God, be seen in them. Notice verse 16 and 17. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall be not, not be known, and come abroad. So these are they who have received the word of God, and they let their light shine, or they let God be seen in their life. Uh, go to Matthew chapter five, verse thirteen. Matthew five and verse thirteen. And again, Jesus is using the illustration here to portray a spiritual truth. Matthew five, thirteen, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted, it is thenceforth good for nothing to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that may it see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. You see, those that receive the word, they bear fruit. They let their light shine. Their testimony is seen. And we you know we have examples of this in the scripture. In fact, in second Corinthians uh chapter uh 3 second corinthians chapter 3 and you know the church at corinth wasn't known to be the most spiritual church in the new testament but corinth was probably the 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 most wicked city that paul visited during his missionary travels in fact the 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 thing that people would say there if a woman was a bad character they say she's she's a Corinthian in that would be like us calling somebody a harlot. she's been Corinthianized because that was prolific in, 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 in Corinth. Um, but there was a church. Paul established a church there, and in second Corinthians chapter three, and of course they had a lot of problems. First Corinthians tells us about that, but he, but he wrote them a letter and they and they dealt with the problems. you know that's what spiritual people do. When the problems come, they don't forsake the Lord. They deal with problems. They deal with problems. And this is what he said about him: Ye, 2 Corinthians 3, 2, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, and notice, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as you manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart, he said. So you, you are our epistle, and you're, 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 you're known of all men. You're read of all men. People see that you are living to glorify the Lord. you yeah, there's. We know if you read the book of Corinthians, there were homosexuals that got saved. First Corinthians chapter. Six talks about it. He says, such were some of you. They were drunkards, extortioners, effeminate, abusers of themselves, first homosexuals. So they had gotten saved. And he says, such were some of you. They weren't living that lifestyle anymore. And so they were, their life was now a testimony that, hey, God has changed my life. God's changed my life. It was a faith that was seen by the world around them. It's like a lighted city that's on a hill that cannot be missed. And it points to God. They were not ashamed of him. Matthew uh, 32 and 33 says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. see, they bear witness by word and life to the resurrection of Christ and the life-changing power of God. They were a light. In fact, we have examples right here in this chapter, Luke chapter 8, of of this very thing. If you notice in verses 2 and 3, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. Anyway, the wife of Herod steward is following Jesus and giving to him of her substance, of her earthly things, money, food, whatever he needed in his ministry. He, she was helping provide it. And Herod's the one that later on killed James, beheaded John the Baptist, put Peter in prison. And the wife of his steward is ministering to the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples. And so and Susanna. And it says, many others which ministered him of their substance. See, these are bearing witness that they had received the word of the Lord. And ministering to the needs of the Lord was important to them. So they let their light or the life of God be seen in them. Secondly, those who hear give heed and will continue to receive more truth. Notice verse 18. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Now, so those who hear and inquire or seek to know the truth will receive it. Will get it. You are know, the Samaritan woman? Again, she was a woman of ill fruit. She came to the well before everyone else. Probably because nobody else wanted to be around her. She came by herself. But the lovely Lord Jesus ministered to her and revealed himself to her. And she was open. She was willing to hear. She inquired, art thou, art thou that prophet? And we know that when Messiah cometh, he will tell us all things. Jesus said, I am he. See, she inquired. And she received all the truth. Yet she went and told everybody. Cornelius. Next chapter 10. Seeking God. Not knowing who he is. Praying to God he does not know. But seeking him in truth. And God reveals himself to him in a vision. And tells him to send for Peter. Who will tell you how to know the true and living God. And God sends Peter to him, and he gets more truth. I I think of another one that we may not think about, but Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to Jesus by night, questioning, inquiring. And when the Pharisees want to condemn him, he said, Does our law condemn a man before it hears him? And he said, out of Nazareth riseth no prophet. Well, he didn't come from Nazareth. He came from Bethlehem. And then when he was crucified, he came publicly and helped with his burial. Jesus said in John 8, verse 31 and 32, John 8, 31 and 32. Then said Jesus, those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, if we believe what we hear, and and, and maybe what we hear at first we don't completely understand, but if a person accepts what they hear, the truth they have, God will give them more truth. God will give them more light. But the opposite is also true. Which you notice thirdly, those who in pride refuse to hear or to not give heed at some point will be unable to hear or understand. Notice the last half, verse 18 again. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Now, the word seemeth to have means to think or to suppose. You know how many times you heard somebody say out in visitation, you ask them, you know, they, you're going through the survey and you say, uh, so do you think a person can know that they go to heaven when they die? And you ask them, do you, do you know? And they say something like this, I think so. I think so. In Matthew 6, 7, uh, Pharisees, Jesus said, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think. In other words, they suppose, or they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. It's just wishful thinking. They don't know. But see, the warning here is, if the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for your sin is not valuable enough to you, that you don't give serious inquiry into it, or to be honest with yourself and humble yourself and repent, you're on dangerous ground and in danger of the Spirit of God ceasing to draw you or convict you. You know, Genesis 6.3 says, My spirit shall not always strive with men. But he gave those men 120 years, and then it was over. Flood came. But go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 44. John 6.44 It says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's go over to verse 60. Many therefore his disciples, when they heard this saying, now the saying, what he was talking about, eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And, uh, and many therefore his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? In other words, they're offended. And when Jesus knew himself, the disciples murmured at it, he said to them, Does this offend you? What if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Again, he he was just illustrating. He wasn't saying you literally drink my blood and literally eat my flesh. He was, he was saying, what he was saying was, his body was going to be a sacrifice for our sin, and his shed blood was going to be the propitiation for our sin. It would be the power to cleanse us from all sin. It would, it would, it would take away our sin. He said, their spirit, their life. But notice verse 64 But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, who should betray him. And he said. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come to me except that it were given unto him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and followed, walked no more with him. So they would not receive what he said, and they turned away. You know, there's a lot of people that followed Jesus that weren't truly born again. And of course, Jesus goes on and says to 12, will you also go away? And Peter says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of the eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. What are Matthew chapter 10? Matthew 10. Um, I'm sorry, Matthew 13, verse 10. Matthew 13, verse 10. You know, the Pharisees refused to hear, and so Jesus said they would be unable to hear. If you notice in verse 10, through verse 17, it says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them? In other words, to them there is referring to the Pharisees in parables. He answered and said unto them, uh, he said to the disciples, Because it is given unto you, that is the disciples, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, that is the Pharisees, is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. So those that receive the word of God, more will be given. And he shall have more in abundance. But whosoever hath not, whosoever will not receive his word, from him shall be taken away even that he has. It's sort of like that guy on on the on the highway. That what what he did hear is going to be taken away from him. He's not going to there be never be a response to it. Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand; seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. So Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in parables so they would not understand. You see, that's mean. That's not fair. Really? Go to chapter 12 and verse 22. Do you realize what the Pharisees had just done? In verse 12, or 22 of chapter 12, it says... Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. insomuch the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Yeah. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They said Jesus was working with the devil. Beelzebub. Now they they have continually seen his miracles. They've heard him preach. And now they say, and, and, you know, this this miracle happens. This blind and dumb man speaks and, and he sees. And the people are saying, hey, this got to be the son of David. The Messiah. And the Pharisees. He's Beelzebub. You know, I believe at that point, the Pharisees had crossed a line. God's red line in the sand. And their fate was sealed. They would never understand the gospel from here on out. And I believe that's what the Bible calls the unpardonable sin. Notice in verse 31 Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be given him be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. You see, saying Jesus' work was of the devil was the final straw in their rejection. Of course, it was their continual, and so now their fate is sealed. What they have is now taken away. They will never, the Spirit of God will not draw them. Even if they hear. Now, I heard a preacher say this one time. He said that nine times, that Pharaoh hardened his heart 18 times. Nine times, the first nine times he hardened his own heart. And the last nine, God hardened it. You know that's what the Pharisees say here. So those who, in pride, refuse, do not give heed. At some point, God says, say, "Okay, have your way." See, no man comes to the Father except, no man comes to the Son except the Father. Draw him him. It's a dangerous place to be in. Then I want us to notice thirdly, and finally, those who hear place spiritual over temporal in relationships. Notice verses 19 to 21 of Luke chapter 8. It says, in John calling on... Uh, wait a minute. Chapter 8, verse 19. Then came to him his mother and his brethren and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. And so what he's saying is, those who hear the word of God and do it, that the spiritual takes precedence over temporal in relationships. He wasn't being disrespectful to his mother or his brethren. You remember very clearly, when he was crucified, he saw to it that his mother was taken care of. But at this point in his life, those brethren did not believe in him either. John 7 tells us that. They did later. After the crucifixion, they realized who he was. In fact, James, one of his brothers, became a pastor for the church in Jerusalem. Jude wrote the epistle. But but what he's telling us is that, that that our relationship with the Lord and the spiritual things takes precedence over temporal relationships. Look at chapter 14, and he, he brings this out a little more clearly. Chapter 14, verse 25. And there went great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, he isn't telling us we're to hate our parents and our wife and our children. Eotias tells us clearly that the aged women are to teach young women how to love their husbands and love their children. Ephesians 5 tells us the husbands to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. He doesn't tell us where to hate those with the relationships, but he is telling us that, that, the, that the truths of the Word of God are more important than our relationships with people here on this earth. They take precedence over. In fact, if they get between us and the Lord, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. And so we see again that those who hear bear fruit. Those who really hear bear fruit. You see, hearing and obeying the word of God, receiving Life, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, is more important than anything else in this world. Of course, it will determine where you'll spend eternity. That's why Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not. Don't sell it for any cause. Don't trade it for any cause. Don't compromise it for anyone. Buy the truth and sell it not. For the cares, pleasures, or the riches of the world. Or pride. Now we need to come to God with an honest and good heart. Have you opened your heart to him? Have you heard with your heart? You see, again, he tells us, these that are good heart are the ones that hear and do. They do what he says. What about you this morning? Where are you? Are you hearing the word and keeping it?